Double Shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. That's right, I'm back. No more shit-talking me with your, bed, your buddy Mitch behind my back, which hey, ends up not in my ears, not behind my back. And, in fact, I, I should say um, I, I think I've got to turn that down because my mum uh, was travelling with <laughs> Hannah and I. We went to a brilliant wedding on the weekend. Mum, solid uh, trooper, took Davey for, for the day, give us yep. a bit of a break. And she's pulled me aside at one point and said, hey, out of curiosity, like how does Alex make all this annual leave work? Does she take paid leave or unpaid leave? You're kidding. <laughs> no, you're, you're well, as you know, my mum listens to the pod. And and I said, oh, mum, look, in fairness, we've probably beat that up a bit. Like like it's paid <laughs> leave. She 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 has leave. Like like probably, probably <laughs> takes her four weeks, but like, you know, the, the gone are the days where she was taking more than four weeks in a year. She said, "Oh, okay." She said, "Oh, I just thought it was great. I, I just wondered how she made it work." <laughs> that's that's how much you've talked it up. See, there you go. For all the people listening, you've just heard James firsthand, straight from his mouth, actually admit it's all still paid leave. So, yeah. I don't I don't remember the last time I took unpaid leave. I think I just max out the paid leave. Hey, and uh, ba- nice by the way, it. baby bump on show over in Europe. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's popped. Yeah, yeah. It has popped. Little, little, little yeah. boy Alexander in there has absolutely popped. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite pass as uh, Spanish desserts anymore. So <laughs> my my joke was going to be, you know, just didn't quite do the Euro shred correctly. But um, yeah, posted my first pick. I'm 30 weeks pregnant at the moment, so came out on on the gram. Didn't didn't want to do the whole queue in November. We're having a boy. <laughs> No, I just did a drop, just did a drop and snuck Brilliant. a kid in there, snuck a bump into the second pick and just sort of like waited yeah. to see who noticed essentially. But, yeah, yeah, what a trip. Spent a couple of weeks in Mallorca, Spain, Mallorca. We had a family reunion second week, first week. I just dragged Dean around the island. Nice. <laughs> and we went to some awesome spots. Have I got a story for you? Yeah, far away. Okay, so the deal was... Dean, you should, Dean loves like he loves hotels. He he gets a thrill out of trawling the internet and eventually landing on on a hotel to book, right? And I kind of like I probably don't have the same passion as he does, but I I do enjoy doing that. So I said, right, mm. you book the first hotel, I'll book the second one, and then thereafter we're with my family in a house. Anyway, so he's booked the first one. It was awesome, unreal, sort of old Spanish city life in Palma, Mallorca. And I went for the seclusion piece, uh, which was a brand new hotel called San Isolation. Isolation, unbelievably stunning property. Yep. Opened in June, yada, yada. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so- sounds, sounds, you know, up your alley. Not yep. not really a social butterfly or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Trust Probably me. There's, looking, yeah. looking to avoid people. It's, yep. it's called cornering the few guests at breakfast. <laughs> 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 no, anyway, let me get to the point of the story. But okay, um, this was a new hotel. It was a, it was a Virgin Active Hotel. Um, so so Virgin being, you know, under the Richard uh, uh, Branson banner. Um so great, this is really good. You know, Richard Branson, yeah, he's probably got a few few beautiful properties around the world. I've, I've heard mm-hmm. some of his hotels are fantastic. Yeah, fuck it, I'll book it. Anyway, so I booked two nights at San Bagnola. Accidentally dropped an F-bomb, sorry. Um, 
pretty expensive, but a one-year anniversary for the wedding, yada, yada. Anyway, we get there, absolutely stunning. I don't think we've ever been to a more beautiful property than and hotel than this ever in our life. And we sit down on the first day, we're taking in the view, and your boy, Sir Richard Branson himself, is there for the week that we are also there, and he's popping through, saying hello to every single person having lunch that day. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, he must be, he must be just passing through. No, no, no. This man was swimming in the pool with guests, asking who played chess. He's like, anyone here play chess? And um, these these really rowdy Americans, yeah, yeah, we play chess, yeah, yeah. And then two hours sitting next to the pool, like looking like the most intense, hectic game of chess with Sir Richard Branson. And Dean and I are just sitting in the pool just watching going, what is this billionaires in the wild? Like, what is happening? What is our life right now? It all sounds like a no, fever dream. It does. It's so weird. And now telling it to you, it, it doesn't feel real. But he went on bike tours with guests. He was just like a acting. He's not a bachelor, but acting like a bachelor on tour, doing his thing for a couple of days. And, and he even had a had a business meeting next to us at Brekkie. I, I know his next, his next venture, it's Virgin Voyages. He's doing a big cruise ship business. So Did you give him any privacy? Like, um, <laughs> sounds like you watched him for a good afternoon. <laughs> Mate, poor bloke's bloke got Alex just watching him all afternoon. <laughs> No wonder he no wonder no wonder he was staring so intensely at his chessboard. You you you're watching him the whole time. Sorry to contextualise this. This is a 26 room hotel, which was a world heritage listed site. That was a. It's like a 14th century castle that was repurposed in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So very few guests, like yeah. you know, very few staff. You're isolated with with the yeah. billionaire. Wow. himself. But yeah, unbelievable experience. And the, for the first time ever, I proper shit myself. I wanted to ask him so many questions. The main one being, what are you reading at the moment? No, nah, shit myself. You didn't Next ask day, him anything. Didn't ask him anything. Absolutely packed my dax. I was on the Packenham line the whole entire time. Couldn't I just hello yes yes hello Richard uh, fuck oh, <laughs> come through mate. next meal hi hi guys are having a good time you ever <laughs> I just shit <Jeez>. myself <laughs> hey hey who'd you fly with by the way did you fly with Qantas Singapore Singapore, Singapore Airways yeah what's going on with Qantas lately I've oh, uh, they're in my mum had trouble. a lot to say about Alan Joyce actually bit of strife which, bit of strife Qantas your mum your mum your mum had yeah. a gripe. Oh, Oh, she, I don't like Alan Joyce at the moment. He's done. He's gone and bought an expensive home when he's laid off half his staff. Well, <laughs> like, fair enough. Okay, mum. Yeah, well, he's resigned, uh, and and they they got in trouble because they basically took money from people to mm. uh, book flights that were never going to go ahead, oh. and then instead of refunding these people their money, they no give them travel credits only, and mm. so they're sitting on five hundred million dollars worth of travel credits. So people who've booked flights that haven't been able to go on them because they've been cancelled, rescheduled, delayed, you name it, they're sitting on $500 million worth of people's money, people's hard-earned. And then, yes, uh, so that was that was controversial, got in a bit of trouble over that. And then, uh, and then I think your mum would have an issue with the fact that, uh, yes, Alan, Alan Joyce, their CEO, former CEO, mm. he resigned mm. as a result mm. of all this, uh, collected a $10 million bonus for the pandemic years when they collected $2 billion worth of government funding and laid off thousands of staff. So that was yeah. probably not the right call. 
in hindsight. And 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 didn't he buy? I mean, you know, I'm getting this from from my mum, Deb, but he bought a fourteen million dollar property at, in you know in, in Sydney mm. amongst you know these mass mass stand downs. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Writing the news at the moment, but no, I didn't. I didn't fly Qantas. But hey, little little tidbit. I um, I don't like spending unnecessary money, i.e., transactional fees when I'm overseas. So when yep. I went away, and actually this was a few times ago, but I, I did it again to just check that it was still applicable. But um, went online to see um, which banks have no transaction fees when you're spending in another currency. And I do have an account with Macquarie. I don't really use it, but I do have a card like in the top drawer. So I found out that they don't have any transaction fees, you beauty. Um, used that whilst I was away. And upon checking, you know, double checking that I wasn't getting stung the transaction fees whilst I was away, I stumbled across the fact that if I open up a new savings account with Macquarie, they've got a 5.55% interest rate. Can you believe that? No. What are the T's and C's though? Uh, up to $250,000 and you only get the 5.5% for six months or okay. so. Okay. Yet to do my research on what it defaults to thereafter. But Not got bad. me wondering who else is offering 5.5%? And there's actually six other banks doing it at the moment. Amongst mm. them, ING, no no major surprises. Um, a bank called Move Bank, a bank called Hiver. Um, which caveat I've heard they don't have any staff, so, you know, if you're in a bit of trouble, it might be hard to get a hold of them. <laughs> um, Great Southern Bank, Australian Mutual Bank and Bank of Queensland, and then MeBank have released a 5.65% interest wow. rate savings account. So it's definitely like all of them have different conditions, right? So very different, varied qualifiers, how much you put in, how much you use it per month, whatever. But, hey, I thought 4.1% couple of weeks ago was impressive. Not anymore. Not anymore, cuz. Not impressive in the slightest. All right, so we'll, we'll move on to uh, the next one here. Now, Now we might not have much time left after that, that first story <laughs> that you told, but um, in any event, we'll... Not that we, we haven't got a time limit. It's our own podcast. We can, we can do what we want. But Wait, um, I'm swimming in the pool with a billionaire, like as if that's not <laughs> podcast worthy. Absolutely. Sheesh. Hey, um, you have been active. I can tell that there's a bit of jet lag because you've been sending me through quite a number <laughs> of articles, which is unusual. And I can see that the Australian Financial Review have put on a, uh, I guess it's a, a property type summit, but the topic mm. has largely been around the housing crisis. Oh, yeah. And there's been some, some good ideas. Um, um, some some big quotes, some some, you know, lots of angry ranting, you know, public <laughs> company heads of company. But uh, mm. talk me through it's um, it's been some good reading, I must say. Well, I, I thought it was worth talking about on on the pod. I mean, any of the listeners who do tap into a bit of the financial review, like especially if you're on the on their digital account, you'll see they are just pumping out articles that relate to residential property. Obviously. We know why, housing crisis. But, yeah, the Financial Review's put on a, a property summit um, and they've got all, all the talking heads, you know, all the all the big dogs. You've got Tim Gurner, you know, the the head of Mervac as well. I don't <laughs> so many names. I, I don't know. But um, the one I most all recently the talking read. All yeah. 
a lot of talking heads. One I most recently read was um, you had Mark Burris, um, who owns Yellow Brick Road, the, the big non-bank lender, and he was on the Australian version of, of Shark Tank as well all those years ago and uh, Celebrity Apprentice. Anyway, uh, Nicola Powell, uh, Chief research, uh, Chief of Research at Domain, and then he had Shane Oliver, which is Head of Investment um, and Strategy and Chief Economist at AMP. So collectively, um, some three very smart people. Three very smart people and, you know, and two of those... Two mm. of those three are, are like actual research sort of economist-based people and, and Mark Boris not so much but very long time in the industry and, you know, like yeah. obviously a very intelligent man. And, you know, it's just really interesting. I mean, let's not, let's not, you know, don't tarnish them with the economist brush. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> don't no, put well, them in well, that box. Well, well let me They're make my point. smarter than that. My, my point is that they all had completely opposing views based on... I guess, a, a different set of numbers that they felt that was most relevant to what was going to happen and, and their predictions, right? So, you know, like your, your Mark Boris is sort of saying, oh, um, all these, you know, we're t- listings are 20% up in August, you know, we're going to have a glut of listings coming on because people are fire selling. And, you know, then you've got Nicola saying, well, well, no, people are bringing their properties on and listing because there's more confidence in the market because interest rates are stabilised. And so my point here. Reading through these articles, they all sort of saying the same thing, which is we need solutions and we agree that the solution is supply, but they all have sort of different ranges of, I don't know, concern or optimism, if you will, and yet they're all economists um, or people who have had very long established careers in the industry. And, yeah. and it just goes to show, like, it doesn't, there is no one one singular voice except for the fact that supply is absolutely the solution. I found that interesting, Kaz. I think it's I think it's great that it's getting so much attention because ultimately they'll they'll figure out a solution. The government will figure out a solution at some point. That they, when there's so much attention on it, how can there not be? You know, it's it's going to decide state and federal elections whether or not they can do a good job fixing housing. You know, otherwise they'll be out of a job. So uh, the reality, though, is that um, you know I think a lot of them are seemingly on the same page that Australia need two hundred forty thousand new houses to be built every single year and we are building about 175,000, so we're well short, mm-hmm. um, and, and we've only ever built more than 200,000 once, ever, and yet we're expected to build mm. 240,000 a year for the next five years when, as I said, we're, we're only building 175,000 and we've only, only ever built more than 200,000 once. So there is challenges on all fronts, you know, there seems to be zonings, a bit of a, um, you know, a a massive challenge. Everyone's everyone's talking about that and we've given, we've talked about that at length. Uh, Mm. People seems to be a challenge because the government is spending a lot of money on infrastructure as well. So you're competing for uh, talent to, to, to even build. So a lot of people are saying, well, if you fix the zoning, then there's still no guarantee that we can build them because we might not have enough people because the yeah. government's building a lot of infrastructure as well. And then you're getting some left field ideas. And and one that I loved was um, oh, I came from a demographer. I can't remember which one, but one of the, one of the big demographers. And, and they basically said one big challenge for uh, the government is, or one big opportunity rather, is mm. we've got 1.5 million homes in Australia that are owned by people who are retired and have got no debt on the home. Mm. 
And a lot of those people, it's only one or two people living in the home and the majority of them, they've got three or four bedrooms. The issue is that a lot of those people are on the pension. So if they sold their home, the proceeds would then um, impact their eligibility for the pension. Because say you've got a $2 million home in Sydney, Mm, which $2 million for a home in Sydney, if you've owned it for 40, 50 years, it might not be, you know, uh, elaborate or anything like that. You probably, it probably was just the median 30, 40 years ago when you bought it. Mm. But you're sitting on this $2 million home, you don't want to sell it because all of a sudden you've got $2 million, which means you won't be eligible for the pension. Exactly. So there's all these, there's one and a half million homes that have got so many empty bedrooms just sitting there which is impacting the the supply of housing ultimately. So there's a, you know, left fielder ideas like sort of, you know, let those people sell the home and, for example, give them, you know, a million or a million and a half of the proceeds of that sale, which are not going to impact their eligibility for the pension so mm-hmm. as to incentivize them to, you to know, sell. downsize and, and, yep. and get into more suitable housing. Well, like, and, and, and a fantastic left field idea, but then I also think, well, where, where are they going to go? You know, like an, an issue, you know, I mean, 65 is not, not old, but, you know, assuming a lot of them are, are quite older than that, um, where are they going to downsize to? You know? well, that's really, the next problem. Really interesting. That's the next problem, <laughs> downsizing. <laughs> well, you yeah, know, exactly. and, and that is, yeah, that, that's the, the other. The other one, obviously, mm. is a lot of people are citing Auckland as the kind of, you know, local-ish um, a template for Australia to follow because Auckland yep. has um, dealt with this issue a decade ago that we're seeing now uh, and done a pretty good job. They rezoned all of their land, much like Canberra is mm. doing, um, where could basically any 400 square metre block within 10 k's of the CBD, you could build whatever you want. You know, it's just there's no restrictions. You can't just, you know, whereas in most Australian cities within 10 k's of the CBD, most houses you can only have one house. So you yep. can't have more than two dwellings on the one block of land. And New Zealand, you know, or Auckland rather, have, um, you know, their, their, their rents have increased at around the rate of inflation over the past seven years, whereas most other developed um, countries, you know, rents have increased by much more than inflation. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's all, it's all really interesting. And I think the, the thing that stood out to me was, you know, if the negative view of things actually does go ahead, which people sort of say like, oh, you know, unemployment will increase, which by the way, it ha- it has to increase, you know, we're at a record low unemployment. But if, you know, unemployment increases and then you've got um, like this delayed reaction of people fire selling, um, you know, that will hurt the market. It How can it though when we're so undersupplied and if people do sell, um, they've got to go into a rental, which, you know, then further exacerbates the, the rental crisis. So, it's just interesting, whichever way you look at it. Um, There's no way it, house it, prices or rents are going down unless they no, fix this supply. No, that's right. Uh, issue, but, but, yeah. that's, but that's what people are saying is like, oh, unemployment, you know, interest rates, blah, 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 fire sales, yada, 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 market will go down. How? How can it go down when there's no supply? Um, so just, yeah, like we say a really interesting time for, for landlords, but, but it really is. Hey, um, moving topic, totally. I think okay. I've told you we before should. that, that my, so my, totally. my, my, where I live in Brisbane, there's a Bunnings, <laughs> like literally 300 metres away. And yeah. one of my favourite things is on a Saturday Arvo, um, I go for, try and fit in a little nap if I can. 
and I leave the windows Naturally. open, um, you know, because I, I like the fresh air. And <laughs> the bunning sausage sizzle, detail. the bunning sausage sizzle is running, oh, and so okay. you get the waft of the. So- it's beautiful, just to absolutely <laughs> dreamy sleep, and. You wouldn't believe it. Well, it's gotten even better because they've just built a brand new Guzmani Gomez right next door to the Bunnings. So I've got like now the the both the combination of the Bunnings sausage sizzle and the Guzmani, you know, um, oh. burrito kind of mix getting what? fired up on a Saturday <laughs> other. So I don't know if because of that I'm sort of more looking for these articles. You tuned in. Uh, tuned in on it than, than not. But... Um, a headline caught my eye, and by the way, probably the best headline I've read this year. The headline was, no siesta for Guzmani Gomez. And so Zing. I'm not sure whether it was the Guzmani Zing. Gomez or the siesta that, that got me because <laughs> I, I normally pair the two. Uh, you but you feel it, it on both fronts. You feel it on both fronts, yeah. In any event, they're uh, they're making a lot of money. And and I guess it makes sense because I'm seeing them pop up, you know, quite, quite frequently around. yeah. Australia, they're going to be opening up another 30 stores in Australia alone in the next 12 months. Holy days. They've sold, um, their revenue is up by 30%. So they've sold 30% more burritos this time, uh, this year than they did this time wow. last year. Wow. Uh, and now sitting at about 194 restaurants around the world with 171 of those in Australia and their, even their overseas revenue is up significantly another 30%. Question for you. There's there's typically like a Guzman and Gomez and a Zombreros relatively close by, right? They might yeah. not be in the same complex, but yeah. let's say they, for they argument's sake. They've got the same sake, data research firm that's feeding 100%. them. 100%. Yeah. Let's say for, for argument's sake that they're, they're across the road from each other. Which one are you going to go into? Oh, Guzmani. Um, much better burrito. Much better burrito. If you're wanting a bit of an open burrito, the the Zombreros <laughs> is a little bit better because there's one right near the office, and I do 100%. sometimes dabble 100%. in that. Um, 100%. If I'm after like an early dinner. Um, uh, but by the way, sorry, my main point: How many burritos do you reckon they sell in a year, Guzmani Gomez? Oh my knowing, God. Okay. knowing that there is 194 restaurants. All right, I reckon they sell um, uh, 320 burritos a day um, in one place and I reckon so by... Jordan reckons you're way too low at 320... Burritos per day? 320 burritos in a single store or... or Yeah, single store do you mean or...? Uh, Yeah, single store. Oh, okay. single store. What do you reckon, Jordan? Oh, I think of those ones next to the highway. I reckon they could do a, a, a little more. I, I think in the time, yeah. if you think about it, you're in a drive-through for what five minutes, and they do have drive-through. You, you right. might have four, five cars in front mm. of you, four behind you, and that's pretty consistent. But are they mm. all getting burritos? Because yeah. like I take my yeah, little yeah, that's, nieces that's, and nephews, and and mm. they're quesadilla kids. True. So, mm. all right, I'm going to say 320 burritos a day, which is yep. 116,000 a year for one franchise. So, how yep. many franchises did you say There's there were? 194 restaurants. 194 restaurants. So, 22.6 million is my guess per annum. 22.6 million. And what are you saying, Jordan? JB? I'm going to go a bit so higher. I'm, I'm going to say 24 and a half to five. 39 million. Ooh. Fudge balls. Fudge balls. <laughs> how, how oh, many, my days. Work that out. Work that out. Reverse engineer that. How many I, I burritos is that it. per restaurant per million. day? 
39 million divided by 194, you said, yeah? Yeah. Um, that's 201,000 per annum divided by 365 is 550 burritos a day. <laughs> I, was, I, was nearly, I was nearly half. You were right. You said 500 at the start, JB. Here we go. Jesus Christ. And that's just burritos, guys. Yeah. I'm so hungry Jeez, now. you'd think they'd turn out a little better if you were doing 500 burritos a day. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Well, we've got, got a Zombrero's fan burritos in the house. We've got a Zombrero's fan. They are good. They yeah. are good. Yeah. No, I've been trying to rope Hannah into it because we we normally go to a grill, but anyway, she's not a fan of Guzmani. So I'd take grilled over Guzman any day. Yeah. I, I, they're different meals, guys. I go between the two. It's, it's a different genre. I could do, I could alternate days, well, you know. Well, it's a very profitable business model either way. Wow. That's a good stack, Kels. I like that. Yeah. So you've stumbled across a little fun fact down there, Alex. Yeah, it is fun. I think it's quite fun, yeah. I think it's fun. It's not a stat fact because there's no numbers involved, but it is a fun yes. fact. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I follow a couple of Instagram pages. Uh, this one is called Equity Mates. So Just shout a couple. out to Equity Mates. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't follow influencers, influencers. Okay. I just okay. sort of follow things that like post interesting stuff and this is one of them, equity okay. mates. Okay. This is one they posted this week. Uh, largest companies buy revenue in each Australian state and territory. Oh, okay. Let's start over in the West. Maybe I with... could try and guess. I'll try and guess. Okay, you want so to? So yeah. they're going to be like what, headquartered there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, okay. It could I mean, be, the West, it could be you would headquarters. Assume, you would assume the In West fact, is a mining-related uh, yes, company. And, and that's why I think this is based on headquarters. Right. So okay. don't go with the obvious because okay. it is, it is uh, based so on what you just said, headquarters. It might not yeah. be like your BHP would be who I'd think of, but maybe because exactly. their headquarters are in Melbourne, exactly. it's a bit different. So maybe, <sighs> maybe we'll go with Fortescue. Uh, no, no. The West, uh, WA is West Farmers. Oh, West Farmers. Yes, yeah, so Woolies, Woolies. Hilch. Yeah, is, Hilch. It, is that Woolies or Coles? Anyway, yep. Okay, uh, next. I think, yeah, I don't think it's Woolies because I'll get to that in a moment. All right. Um, South Australia. Oh, oh, can you guess that? It's, I, I wouldn't have guessed this. South Australia. What were you going to say? Um... No, I'll, that's I'll a just tell you. that's a tough one. Santos, Santos. Oh, so, okay, so that's in, that's a mining one as well. Yep, yep, there, there yep. yep. Okay. Um, we'll we'll go down to Tasmania because we'll give it a mention. I'd, I'm not even going to get let you guess this because I actually don't know what they do. But Grange is their name. Grange, maybe they're in agriculture or maybe or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. We should. I should have looked that up before doing this. Uh, I'll give you over to Victoria. Who do you think Victoria is? Biggest, largest. Oh, I reckon National National Australia Bank. No, you, you actually said it before, BHP. Oh, BHP. Ah. So it notes that that must be their headquarters, yeah. Victoria. Oh. There you go. Can, uh, I, can I go South back to Wales. the original guess? Yeah. New South Wales. <laughs> oh, New South Wales. That's a really hard one because there's so many so big hard. companies in it's New so South hard. Wales. Um, oh, I reckon I'll go with... Woolworths. Uh, <laughs> well, what? Yes, Woolworths Group. You sort of gave that away earlier because, you, yeah, you said West yeah, Farmers okay. and can't be Woolworths. Well done. So I cheated well a done. little bit there. Okay, well done. All right, Queensland, come on, you got to get this one. Queensland. Oh, Queensland. Come um, on, come on. 
biggest Queensland company by revenue. Come on. Deep down in your heart, you know this. Okay, I reckon (laughs) it's in the mining industry again. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. People are driving whilst listening. You're putting them to sleep. It's dangerous. No, Suncorp. Suncorp. You know this. And then this one really surprising. I'm not even going to let you guess. Um, Northern Territory sports bet. Sports bet? Yeah, go figure. Sports bet? And I wondered if their headquarters. That's actually, that's like deeply concerning that a betting company is the biggest revenue. But but it got me wondering. In the Northern Territory? Yes. It's the the largest company by revenue. It got me wondering though, is it sports bet because their headquarters are there for some kind of like, like tax incentive or I don't. Do you know I, what just I, mean? don't, like, I just don't think a betting company should be the biggest revenue company in any Australian it's not, capital it's not or right. territory. It's not right, is it? I agree Oof. with that. That was the most surprising to me, hence left at that's last. That's a sad state of affairs. Anyway, because let's, let's end on something that's actually um, it parallel to what this whole podcast is about and you wanted to talk about, you wanted to end on, on listings, capital cities, Listings. Yeah, well, there's a lot of talk at the moment about listings and the fact that mm-hmm. they are going up. And 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 I guess you know you, you Mark Boris's of the world are saying, well, listings are going up. People are going to be forced to sell. There's going to be a crash, and that's you know that's that's the only uh, reason know, the listings are going well, up. Well, I guess on the face of desperate. it. On the yeah. face of it, it makes sense. But I think, you know, the thing about listings is they're very seasonal. So you get you get a highly sort of um, differentiated number of listings in the different months throughout the year. And September, October, November, we see the most amount of listings, the spring spring selling season. It has just always been the best time to try and sell a property. So you get the highest number of listings in those months. Mm-hmm. So yes, they're going up, but that's that's not unusual. So you're better off looking at the five-year average. So how does September compare to say this time last year? And then the, you know the five-year average, probably the best best um, marker. And listings are still down. They're, they're down about you know fifteen to thirty percent, depending on the state and the capital mm. city. Mm. Uh, on average, about twenty percent, which. You know that is significant, but it's it's actually even more significant than just the twenty percent because you're comparing us to three, four, five years ago when our population was ten percent smaller. Mm. So technically, so even if listings were the same as the five year average, that would still mean that we're worse off because there's more people in the country, more buyers today. So you, you, we're still a fair way off, and and I'm noticing it. I, I don't know if you've got friends and family in the market, but. We've got um, a couple of staff here in the office um, that are that are in the market. My sister's in the market, and it's challenging. There's not a lot around. Immensely, immensely. It's a kind of you know it's an exciting period. Maybe September we'll see a couple of them break through. You know. Here's anything hoping. Else you wanna, hey, have a great weekend, Cuz. Enjoy. You still got a bit of jet lag, or are you you doing okay? Oh, absolutely. I was partying at three thirty a.m. this morning. <laughs> doing your wordle. <laughs> <laughs> it, of course, the day that I wake up at three thirty a.m. It's a word that I get in in three goes, and then <laughs> yeah. and then old smartass McGee, you come through. You've got it in two goes. Yeah, so I was, I I was lucky was this like, morning. You know I got four letters in my first guess. That was quite lucky. I just thought, you know yeah. what, you can jam it. You've outdone me like an hour after. Yeah, you know what, just get a grip. Get a you grip. You can jam it. Jam it. Uh, it's good <laughs> to have you back, Cuz. Good to be back. Back before my leave turned into unpaid leave.
Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.